Hey, 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 baby, baby, it's your surrogate uncle bringing all the funk. It's your big bad dad that is always so rad. Your mother that loves to smother. Your aunt that likes to use weird font. I'm all that and more, never an eyesore. It is I, Wolf the Dog, and I am breaking through all that mental fog. To do what, you ask? To broadcast live from 694.2 PTBP, my various family members and or babies. Now, speaking of family, we got a letter from someone very dear to us. This edition of Howlin' with Wolf is from Taylor B., who tagged that pretending pod over there on Twitter. They write, Howdy, Wolf. The dog, not Wolf's dog, Wolf. Just wanted to drop a line and let you know I've been greatly enjoying the radio show you host every hour on the hour. Been listening to it nonstop since I discovered it several days ago. Or was it weeks ago? I don't know anymore. I haven't turned the channel on my old radio since I fixed it to 694.2 PTBP, the only radio station my old box even picks up anymore, I think. Anyway, I wanted to just send you a friendly reminder that Mark Zuckerberg is absolutely the worst. However, I also wanted to remind you he and his robot cronies are in charge of Instagram as well well as Facebook. I mean Facebook. I mean, oh, never mind. When you trust social media, you're allowing your identity and your time and your attention to be sold to the lowest bidder. That's why I use my Twitter to pimp out cool shit like pretending to be people. You continue to haunt my dreams, Wolfie boy. Keep it up. <laughs> you only listen every hour on the hour? What about between the hours? What about the infinite space between all of time? The only social media Wolf likes was Craigslist misconnections. A lot of folks think they see me skulking around in the dead of night rummaging through a dumpster of three. A lot of folks might be right. Remember, if you want to write up something for your wolf to howl, tag us on the internet. Fuck every billionaire. Or write up a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All the links in the show notes, my babies. This here is part two of Scott Dorward's wretched Call of Cthulhu scenario bleak prospect, run by none other than the published author himself, Scott Dorward. Don't step back because we're pushing forward. Clinch your rucksack because we're all cornered by Grady Phillip drug with real life. Life surreal in retrospect a dream. Easy times feel less than serene in the moment. It's hard to count your blessings, so we long for days gone past us. Grief and strife, bloody. Zach, will you make your bald head look like a cat again? It's <laughs> awesome. It makes me think I'm I'm like a Star Trek. I'm a Star Trek. <laughs> so I mean, okay. So something that you know when you see like bald cats that have those mm. big folds. Something I did not realize is that cats that have darker stripes on their on their heads, which is a lot of cats. They just follow the path of that fold. Oh, wow. So all cats look fucking weird underneath their hair. 
god. Okay, well, I've got a tabby, and I'll never look at her the same way again now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> those are those weird, like, bald cat folds. Oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Coombs was feeling pretty good. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, what what actually happens with Dr. Coombs is mechanically you gain seven points of POW and six points of luck. God's number and the devil's number back to back. <laughs> All I'm hearing is that I need to spend some luck before I step on one of these things. but yes you are at the same time very aware that this thing is moving around inside your foot you can't really feel it but at the same time you can you you just know it's there do I maintain a sense of fear from it or does well it's up to you like is that okay with me and obviously you have a parasite that has burrowed its way into your flesh so I mean that may not make you especially happy but uh, on the flip side you're feeling good you are a doctor so you might get to be more weary of it than most (laughs) yeah if you don't want us to kill you in the next 10 (laughs) minutes of gameplay (laughs) 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 doctor where'd it go guys it's uh it's in i think it's in my it's in my foot i can i can i can feel it I can I can feel it moving around in there. It's uh Jesus, Mary and Joseph. It's 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 not it's not the not the worst worst thing, though. What? I, uh. What's fucking it, worse? It doesn't uh it doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel bad. It doesn't. I. You are glowing. You're glowing. You're positively fucking radiant. Coombs kind of like str- like straightens his back higher than it's been in a long time, and maybe like cricks his neck. I it's uh it More doesn't confident. It feels it feels good. It, it feels good. It feels good. You look good, Doc. I'm just gonna say it. You're sexy. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been thinking it. He uh, he kind of jogs in place a little. Yeah, and I, this is this is better right, than I felt yeah, in, in right. years. This is. But we, we, I gotta get it out right though. That I got, I, I mean, it's, it's a parasite, yes. right? It's yes, like, yeah, all right, yeah. Put your foot up on the table. We're gonna chop it off. But- <laughs> yeah, we're gonna chop off your foot for sure. <laughs> oh, well, hold yeah. on. Oh, let me see if I can wriggle around in there like that thing could. Maybe it's still just uh, flesh mush. I mean, but I, I, yeah. I grab the doctor's foot and oh. see if I can <laughs> stick my fingers. You inside You certainly it. can. Yeah, once you find the right spot in there, your fi- your fingers just sink into the the warm, soft embrace of his flesh. Oh, oh no, oh, oh, Doc, uh, Doc, yeah, I'm in your foot now. Uh, my fingers are in your foot. Frederick Mellon the first is jealous. Does that cause me pain, or is it just a thing? It's just a thing. You barely feel it. On the other hand, I think Thomas Dolan needs to make a sand roll because your finger <laughs> your finger is now deep within his foot. That's a 15. He's fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things, you know, life's been pretty kooky uh, the last few years. Why would I let this, you know, of all things, get me down? So, uh, Freddy, 
pass me those tongs. Yeah, you yeah, yo. Okay. All right, uh, Doc, I'm going to try to fist this thing out of you, all right? Yeah, and if, if, you, if you can't, that's okay. If you can't find it, that's fine, too. All right, yeah. So if I keep, if I keep, like, does my hand just keep slipping up in there without resist like yeah what is the physical limitation of what i can get I, in sooner there? or later i <laughs> yeah sooner or later you hit the barrier of you know the the edge of his foot and it, your finger doesn't come out the other side so you know you, you get most of your finger into his foot do i feel the little do i feel the thing in there you absolutely do, and it is quite spiky, and and th- th- there's a sharp moment of pain as you can feel his little teeth biting into your flesh. <gasps> Freddy, there's oh, no shit. time for the tongs, and I'm gonna I'm gonna gingerly holding on to like two spikes, just try to try to whip <laughs> it out. Okay, well, it's even easier than that because its teeth have sunk into you. So as you pull your finger out, it's just there, clasped onto the edge of your finger, wriggling. Freddy, fucking step on it! I don't care if you crush my finger. You step on this motherfucker. No, it went through his foot last that's time. What, that's It'll what be we the tried. Exact same thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> we need another plan. <laughs> Frederick, <sighs> I didn't want to do this, and he just cocks the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Who's got a lighter? That, that's smarter. <laughs> I smoke, I've got a lighter. Okay, yeah, you got, <laughs> you got a Zippo lighter with a little bit of fuel in it. I I flick into the thing and I, I put the flame to the bottom of it and I see what happens. Okay, yeah, I mean, it starts catching fire and almost immediately drops off onto the ground, screaming in pain, there's... A kind of purplish ooze coming out of it as it's writhing on the ground in agony. I'm going to bring the lighter to the ground and try to torch the rest of the thing. Keep the flame to it and try to try to dispose of it. Doctor, do you have anything flammable you could dump on to make the flame bigger but not too big to burn down your shack yet? Bit of rubbing alcohol. I don't Yeah, I don't think I want to maybe, start a fire. Maybe we just keep doing the Zippo <laughs> for a minute and see if No, we let's can. make it bigger. No, let's get it really, really burning in here. No, that it looks like it looks like it's working. It looks like the the creature is uh, dying. Sorry, I can't see. My glasses are broken. Maybe it was made by Bic, but uh, it does not like the Zippo, <laughs> the Zippo interaction. So yeah, and and certainly you know after a, a, a few seconds or thirty seconds or whatever of burning this thing, it is very much dead. What does my finger look like where it where it bit me? Like it's had a small chunk of flesh bitten out of it. No, no spreading necrosis or just just or, blood uh, and pain. Ghostly voice emanating from it. Okay, blood and pain. <laughs> blood and I pain. think it's gonna be all right. <laughs> so, uh, fire, fire, fire helps. Fire helps against these things. So we get some oily rags and throw them on these fucking eggs before they hatch into uh, critters that can pass through the walls of you know. Off feet and mason jaws. Yeah, I, I, we're we're gonna. Ha- well, I guess we're we're gonna have to do something. We can't we can't leave these here if they, if they hatch. Like you said, they would run amok in this place. Doc, I got a feeling uh, there might be a few more people in this camp with these eggs in them. You could study. So why don't we just burn these ones we got right now? Yeah, I I, I think I think that's what we got to do. I, I I can't take the risk of this getting out of here. Yeah, I mean it's fairly simple. Oh, you can just 
put a bit of surgical spirit in there and light that and you know, destroy the eggs and the one that's hatched yeah. really easily. Perfect. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Then you dispose of your specimens quickly, simply, and uh, without catastrophe. Oh, Scott, you just saw us do the only smart thing we've ever done. <laughs> In our, <laughs> in our entire role-playing uh, careers. I just kept my mouth shut the whole time. I was like, just don't say anything and they'll fix it. It'll be okay. <laughs> so, now what? We got we to gotta keep our eye on the prize at this point. We got we to gotta get Billy and Esther back. I think, uh, I think we should head, head over to Hiram's old place. Is it Greenleys or Greenleys? Greenleys. Greenleys. Let's set out, boys. So do you think they've been taking us and putting the eggs inside of us, and then they hatch, and then they go into other people, and that's how it's spreading? You said something about a sacrifice earlier, but I was thinking that maybe they just take us to put the put to put the eggs inside of us. Did Nancy... Nancy said something about them. Did she say taken? She They were taken people? Did she say that? No, she just said something about a puppet singing. Before that, though, she talked about people without faces. Oh, right. that's right. Maybe they're wearing masks that don't have any designs on them. Why don't we just worry about one spooky thing at a time? <laughs> but what if the spooky things are connected? How how likely is it that the spooky things are... Park the car in Harvard Yard. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they are connected, but... But it's just, you know, let's go to Greenleaf. We'll find out. We'll see what's going on. You're operating under the assumption, though, that maybe there's more of these these things there. Then is that what you're saying, Frederick? Do, should oh, should yeah, we take I something? Think they're growing them. I think they're breeding them. Should we take something fiery with us? Something we can use if we run into them? Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we should. What do we got? What do we got? Probably we don't have access to a flamethrower. I don't know <laughs> if that's been invented yet. In the medical shack, I mean, you do have a little bit of surgical spirits that you use for uh, disinfecting wounds. So not a whole hell of a lot, but you got some. And you've also got maybe a pint of paraffin left that you use for the heater. I'm going to create little, perfect little pocketable vials of flammable. So mixing mm. maybe the spirits and the paraffin if need be and create like a little line of them that I can hand out to the guys. And then if I have, if we have lighters, each of us or something like that, it's just, these are just like, I pop one right behind my mouth, assuming it's a cyanide. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picturing them as like, um, just little to go fuel canisters. Yeah. Like you can pour them on something if you need to, to light it. But I don't think they're not like mini Molotovs, but like they last miles (laughs) of combustible. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Yep. Okay. It's definitely, it's it's awkward in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but surprisingly nope, nope. tasty. Dolan, drop it. Drop it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> we all grab lighters, and I think we should head straight to to Greenleys. Okay. Mr. Mellon, did you grab that shotgun? Did that happen? This one? Oh, yeah, I need to uncock it. <laughs> That's what it's called, right? <laughs> Depends on... <laughs> The kind of shotgun, I think. It's this kind. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a double-barreled shotgun. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's not a pump-action one. It's, it's that kind. We say pointing to what he's got. <laughs> okay, uh, it's kind of spooky, but let's go to Greenleys. The back door was the idea, right? Or the back window. That's what Hiram said. I'd say maybe even a mile before, we're not going to want to be seen on the road heading there. 
but we're like a mile out, right? Yeah, it's it's probably about 20 minutes walk from where you are. Maybe like a quarter mile. <laughs> we could get off the road. I don't know why we got to make it super hard on ourselves. Anyway, let's head out. Yeah, I mean, by this stage, it's probably early afternoon. And so you make your way up the road towards Greenlees. And yeah, I mean, there are grounds to the house. And so you can make your way off the road earlier than the driveway that goes up there by perhaps forcing your way through a hedge. And yeah, I mean, this is a fairly nice house. I, it's got what you reckon are probably several acres of ground, uh, fairly well tended, the lawns nicely manicured, there's a few flower beds, which obviously aren't in bloom at this time of year, but yeah, are still in good condition. I bet those are really nice when they're in season. <laughs> yeah, the house itself is a stone-built structure, I mean, fair old size, probably no more than about 50 years old. The thing that probably gets your attention more than anything else is there are a number of cars parked outside there. It looks like uh, Mr. Brink collects cars. Can we get a sense of any activity from our vantage point? Can we see maybe people in the windows or if there's any anybody working the grounds or anything like that? Sure, give me a spot hidden roll. I failed a 57 on a 25. Okay. I rolled a 55 on a 55. Yeah, certainly, you know, Freddy looking around doesn't notice any gardeners or anything. Uh, There don't seem to be any staff on site. You can't really see any activity going on at the windows. The place looks fairly quiet. It looks good. Do you want to just move? Hey, guys, uh, they should call him Mr. Cars, right? They, um, they should call him Mr. Cars. Does he come before an effect? I'm confused. What, what, what are you talking about? All the cars. All his, he's got a lot of cars. Let's go. Let's just go to the back. <laughs> <laughs> Did we see that big caddy? Yeah, you do. There is a big black Cadillac parked out the front. Quiet. We got to stay quiet as we move in along through the back, okay? Because if anyone hears us once we get within earshot, they're not going to take too kindly. I'm afraid, you know, uh, the face of a thief is not one that people forget. Freddie, are you saying you hit this place before? If the servants here are the same as they were when Hiram was here, then... <laughs> Wait, well, okay, well, but uh, Hiram, he didn't really, he doesn't know you robbed his place, right? He also said he didn't have servants. So who are those people there that night? I don't know. Okay, moving on. Okay, so he's, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Never mind, we're good. No one's going to recognize me. Not trying to make it harder for ourselves. That'd be silly. Let's sneak in through the back now. <laughs> All right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. You make your way round to the back of the house, and uh, sure enough, there is a little, a small little wing coming off the back of the house that looks like it is probably the servants' quarters, whereas the rest of the house is on two stories. This is a one-story structure just at the back. Okay, now, are we going to try to sneak into the house and kind of get a feel of what's going on, or are we going straight down to the cellar? You're going to play by ear, and uh, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. 
We got to get through that door first, though. Yeah, our, our goal is to get through that. It's the it's the window that had the broken lock, right? I think our goal should be the the cellar. But yeah, keeping an eye out on the lay of the lay of the house. We, we're going to have two kids we're dragging out with us, hopefully. There's fucking dragons down there. Fuckers <laughs> call <it> Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> Dragons out! Uh, are you what? Just <laughs> forcing the lock on the window? I, is, is your plan something else? Yeah, I'm definitely gonna like listen in to, and like try to like look around through the window very stealthily to get a lay to see if like obviously if there's someone right on the other side of the window, I don't want to try to break in. Sure, I. You'd be able to see if there was someone on the other side of the window. There aren't any curtains up, and looking in there, there definitely isn't. Then I'm gonna kind of cup uh, my my dirty my doity hand around my ear and press it up against the glass and try to see if I can hear anything going on inside yeah. of the house. Okay, give me a listen roll. Uh, Twenty-eight on a fifty. Yeah, you listen and. No, you can't hear any activity at all. It's dead silent inside. Uh, So he's going to go ahead and try to open up the window. Well, I think you only need to give me a stealth roll here because it's easy enough to force. It's just a question of whether you can do so quietly. Uh, 43 on a 60. I mean, sure enough, as per Hiram's words, the lock on this is crap. And so just with a bit of force, yeah, it cracks. And... You manage to avoid uh, the noise of that being too loud and the uh, the window squeaking as you slide it up. You you have the window open and you can clamber inside, should you wish. Clamber indeed I do. I'm going to follow suit. Frederick's kind of our guy who is breaking any, and I trust that he has done his due diligence, that this is an okay thing. Like, the coast is clear, so I just follow in his footsteps. And as long as I don't hear anything calamitous happen to them, I I follow as well. But I do pause for a moment to make sure nothing calamitous happens to them. If something calamitous is happening to them, it's happening very quietly. I That's good enough for me. <laughs> I go on through. Okay. Then, yeah, the three of you clamber in through this window, and the room inside is just a fairly simple bedroom there's uh, an unmade bed uh, sorry when i say unmade bed there are no sheets or anything on there it's just a mattress on a frame there's a wardrobe and a chest of drawers fairly simple looking furniture uh, and the whole place just looks unlived in you uh you f- you fellas know how long hiram's not been here how long it's been since his partner bought this place just at the start of the you know all the recent troubles uh, enough time to have moved in. Maybe he doesn't have enough people to fill all these big, big house rooms. Yeah, it just looks like there's no servants living here. Uh, I say we press on into the house. Very quietly. Agreed. Yeah, the door from this room opens out into a small corridor. Uh, there, down to the left, there's obviously a back door that comes in this way. Uh, heading towards the right, it seems to go towards the main house. And you can see that, yeah, there is a door that opens up into... Well, certainly it looks like it opens up into the main building. There's also, off to your left, a flight of stairs that seems to go down. You know, if we if we go down first, then we don't have to go into the big house. The cellars are usually down. I think we should go down. We get, that's, that's the direction, right? 
I can only think of, of traps and pitfalls existing in the rest of the house, but we would figure out more of the fun mystery, so... But let's go down. You go down the stairs, and as you reach the bottom, it opens up, unsurprisingly, into some fairly large cellars. It looks like it's broken up into a number of different rooms. But it goes into, you know, initially one fairly large room that's got shelves lined the walls, most of which are empty. There's obviously some old supplies or, you know, small cleaning supplies and a few jars sitting on the shelves that look like they've probably been there for a long time. There's spiders' webs. I mean, there's an electric light you can turn on so you can see what you're doing. The only thing that stands out as being unusual or worthy of note in this room is there's a table towards the back that has a metal cylinder or case or... Yeah, it looks like a large jar or some kind of canister metal canister sitting there and next to it there's a pair of heavy leather gloves and a set of forceps what what do you think doc well it looks like there's something inside that canister that needs leather gloves and forceps to be touched I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to mess with that that's uh that's uh, that's usually means something's dangerous. What if there was something in the canister, something like what we've seen, and uh, that canister can hold it? I think we need the canister and those gloves. Yeah. Yeah, I think a hundred percent we should take it with us. Seems like these dickheads down in the cellar found out the, uh, you know, the safe way to deal like with these parasites. So. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good idea. That at the very least, if if it is what if it is specimens, that gives us another supply for me to test. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the canister is I mean it's about a, a foot in diameter. You know, not that heavy, but as you pick it up, you can feel liquid sloshing around inside. If we if I shake it, can I feel anything other than liquid? Can I feel anything hitting the sides? Yeah, you can. Yeah, there's there's definitely something suspended in liquid in but here. We we can't see the liquid or anything in there, right? It's it's a metal canister, no. There's no glass in it. I mean it's you know maybe this is a thing for holding those fucking things. If it's not, we got a cool canister, so <laughs> <laughs> I say that's what we we put our money on we put our money on the fact that it's holding these things and that this is where they start. And we use it as a bargaining chip as we head into the main house. Uh, if we need to dump it out on the floor or throw it on Casper, voice comes to voice. Do you think there's any merit in opening it here and now just to see what's in it? Absolutely on the not. Grounds here? No, no, I don't. I don't think. No, uh, no. no. <laughs> All right, Melon gets really close to Dr. Coombs. And puts his hand on his shoulder and says, I could tell that you felt real good when it was inside you. But we're gonna need we're gonna need you to stay uh keep your fucking head on straight, you fucking nut. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, of of, of course. I just if if there was a place that we were going to open it, it might be better here and not back at we're the We're not gonna town. open it. Where everybody is. But. Yeah, we're not going to open it here. We're not going to open it in the Uberville. 
fucking nowhere. No, this is like worst comes to worst. Like they come in and they say like, we're, we're going to kill you. We say, no, you're not. We'll pull this on you or on the ground. They probably don't want that either. What if the guy who's, who's got it says, well, what, what? you're going you're gonna to hit me with my lunch pail? And it turns out there's a sandwich and a thermos of coffee in well, there. Then, we're, then, we're, then it will turn out we will have been caught in a bluff. But right now it seems like this is a good chip. <laughs> we got to roll with it uh, and not let these parasites I'm with you. I, spread in the Hooverville. Yeah. Doc, for all we know, these things are in you and me. Well, actually, since we feel like shit and my business partner started doing great, maybe it's in him. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it maybe it feeds off two hosts simultaneously. We got to figure it out, though. Yeah, there's a. You're right. You're right. We shouldn't open it. We shouldn't open it. And 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 we gotta save those kids. Q and on. Yeah. We. God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's keep going. Let's see if. Let's see if we can find anything down here. I'm going to take that canister from you. That's, that's a good idea. <laughs> All right, here, here you go. Here you go, Freddy. You can you can have the gloves. Yeah, maybe put the gloves on your on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you poke around the rest of the cellars, and I mean, there's not really a lot else of interest down here. Uh, there is a bit of a wine cellar. I mean, there's some fairly nice-looking bottles of wine. Uh, you know, should you know anything about wine? Canonically, Thomas Dolan does, and he grabs a few nice bottles of wine okay. in case we have success. Excellent. What is that, a red? <laughs> <laughs> I spent some time uh, rubbing shoulders with, uh, you know, the Boston Brahmin, and uh, <laughs> I can I can tell you which a few of these bottles, uh, you know, they're not. They're not so bad. Mmm, tannins. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Freddy. Tannins. Oh, it's got a floral bouquet. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you poke around the rest of the cellars, and apart from your bottles of wine and the canister of whatever the fuck it is you found, you don't really find anything else of interest. It looks like a. It looks like they weren't keeping anybody down here. There's nothing. Nothing, no signs of of entrapment or anything down here. Catherine Zeta Jones wasn't down here. <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones is not is not dancing beneath lasers down here. <laughs> <laughs> Before we head out, let me just quick poke around just to make sure there's no like hidden doorways or, or walls that aren't walls or nothing down here. Okay, so you're having your poke around in the cellar. You wanted to try to find any secret doors, so give me a spot hidden roll. Yes, 45 on a 55. Okay, you are fairly certain that there are no secret doors down here. There's no secret areas. It is just a cellar. Foik. What do you think, uh, Mr. Mellon? Did you see any doors? Can we move on up? No, I've been poking and prodding for all of two minutes, and there doesn't seem to be any stinking secret <laughs> doors down here, so uh, i got to keep my voice down. Let's get back through into the main house, and then we'll get going. All right, all right. I'll keep you, this canister handy. No, no offense, Mr. Mellon. It's just that you were a uh, snagglepuss there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Frederick Mellon the Foist, and I don't understand the reference. <laughs> <laughs>
That makes sense. It's 1932. <laughs> Let's go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then, yeah, you, you make your way back upstairs. And like I say, there is a door that looks like it goes into the main house. F- Freddy, you should do your that ear thing you were doing earlier. Yeah, I'll squish my ear right up against the wall. Okay, give me a listen roll. Oh, that's a fail. 82 on a 50. Yeah, there's no one there. There's no one there. <laughs> it seems like the coast is clear. Let's go on in. Still be careful, though. Still be careful and quiet. Why? <laughs> that's a good point. There's no one there. We don't have to worry. No, we, we should still be quiet. I carefully crack the door open. Uh, about, about an inch, and I peep on through. Yeah, you crack the door open, and it opens up into what looks like a fairly large kitchen. Uh, there's a, a dining area there, uh, a range cooker. There's another doorway out from here. Now that you're in the kitchen, you can hear ups f- coming from upstairs what sounds like someone snoring fairly loudly. Boys, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be alarmist. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it sounds like we might be dealing with a fairy tale troll. Or giant. <laughs> That's just my first read. Let's move on further into the house and see what see what we see. Melon puts his finger up to his mouth and like a shh motion points at like a butcher's knife in this kitchen. Dolan, put down your violin. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's been on my back this whole time. Uh, obviously, since I haven't been playing it and referencing it, it's not because I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed that you've been providing a soundtrack all the way along. Yeah, as we're rolling stealth checks. <laughs> Thomas Dolan is is sneaky as fuck. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll grab that. That kitchen knife, that oh, big okay. chef's knife, and arm myself. Good looking out, Freddy. And are you, what, moving on mass to the source of the snoring? Are you doing something else? What are you up to? I'd like to look around, remembering that they were dragged through the shanty town. I want to see if I can see any signs of, like, hmm? dirty floors or more drag marks or anything that would remind me of those bodies being dragged through the dirt like that. Sure, give me a spot hidden roll. That's a fail. A 40 on a 25. No, you don't see anything like that. Fellas, I, th- I think we should uh, we should just make our way away from that snoring and, and find what rooms we can cover down here. And if we don't find the kids, we'll have to go up there, but that is the exact opposite of what I was going to say, but I say we go with your plan. <laughs> nice. You wanted to you wanted to go see who was snoring? I thought maybe Dolan could put the knife right against the snorer's throat. Yeah, I mean, uh, but what about your shotgun? I mean, I could put it against his throat too, but <laughs> it, it's not very sharp. <laughs> yeah, it's just more about the element of surprise when you wake up, right? Like, if we're not going to kill him in his sleep... If we, if we, if getting gravelly again, if you want to kill someone in their sleep, a knife is a knife. (laughs) (laughs) 
a knife in Harvard Yard is a perfect <laughs> implement. But if you just want to wake somebody up and fucking, you know, um, uh, uh, scare them, <laughs> then let's go with a shotgun in their face, right? <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh man, I don't. Uh, I don't mind the the plan of that. Would that would actually cut out a lot of downtime of us searching if we if we just wanted to cut straight to the quick and ask the people upstairs, the person who's snoring upstairs, wh- yeah, where I think that's where the these move. kids are. Hey, sleepy. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So you already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> So that's your plan, is it? You're you're sneaking up the stairs. Are all three of you going, or are you sending one person up? Let's do it. All three. (laughs) three. I think all three. Uh, (laughs) Send it, bro. Okay. So, yeah, with three of you, it's going to be pretty difficult to be stealthy. But on the other hand, you're aided in this by the fact that the person you're sneaking up on is sound asleep. So you make your way up the stairs, which luckily are carpeted, across the landing, and the door to the master bedroom is open. The whole place is, you know, fairly expensively furnished. I mean, there's all sorts of objet d'art and, and you know, expensive bits of furniture and so on. But at the same time, the whole place seems to be yeah, the best possible evidence that money cannot buy taste because everything just clashes with each other and it all ends up looking a bit shit. And you, you make your way through to the, uh, the, the the doorway to the master bedroom and there is this really ostentatious four-poster bed there and there is a man lying there in maroon silk pyjamas just lying sprawled across the bed snoring away at the top of his voice. Uh, he's a middle-aged man, he's got graying temples, he's fairly slim, fairly pale as well, and yeah, he's he's out for the count. Uh, Melon hands the canister to Coombs. I take it. Raises the shotgun. How's he laying? It's sprawled out, he's on his back, he's uh, sort of starfished out on the bed. Gross. Not a care in the world. Yeah, I'll just aim the the shotgun in between his um, eyes. <laughs> okay. Just give him a gentle little little nudge. <laughs> hey, hey. And and yeah, he's sort of. <laughs> uh, his his eyes half hey, open. Hey, sleepyhead. And he looks up to see Hi. three strange men standing there holding weapons. And he just don't move. There's a knife on your balls. <laughs> yeah, he just tenses up. He's, uh, look, fellas, I don't know what you want. Look, take anything you want, okay? Uh, yeah, y- you want money? Sure, sure. I, I got money. Are you Hiram's old partner? He looks really confused at this. He says, "What, Melnick? Yeah, I, I know Hiram. What, what's this got to do with Hiram?" Not much, except we we come from the same Hooverville, but where the fuck are the kids? Good God. He looks confused for a moment and, uh, oh, uh, look, 
what the 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 kids the kids yeah oh, okay the kids uh, yeah 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 you can see him thinking for a moment yeah 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 the kids uh, what the, the the kids from last night right yeah okay all right then if you want the kids yeah i i can tell you where to find them but i'll tell you what you got to do something for me Frederick Mellon the first <laughs> pulls back the uh, thumb fellas on his double-barreled shotgun. Yeah, I'll do something for you. I'll do something for you right now. And that's not kill you. But unfortunately, what has not happened yet is that I've not, not promised to cut off your balls. So why don't you fucking start talking? He said, look, look, no, no, no. Let, let's, let's make a deal here, all right? I, I know... I know who's got your kids. The deal is that I don't cut off your balls. I know who's got your kids. I can make everything right for you. But, 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 and you, you can see you can see gears kind of clicking over in his head as he's saying this. Yeah, all right. Look, there's a guy who's got your kids. He's got them in another house. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you let me phone him up. Ah, I'll, I'll get him to go over there. Yeah, he'll, he'll let the kids out for you. But what you got to do for me is... Yeah, you look handy with those guns, with those knives, whatever. Yeah, I mean, when, when he goes there to let your kids out, you do whatever you want with him. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 want, to, you want to kill someone over this? He's the one who took your kids. You just shoot him. Yeah, yeah, you do that. Everything's fine. Everything's, everything's great. You're saying that this guy is behind the, the kidnapping. He's the one that came into our camp and took our children. Yeah. And you had nothing to do with it. They just came to your fucking house. They just used your property. What is this fucking canister? Why don't you tell us what this fucking canister is that we found in your basement? He looks really alarmed as you're holding that up. He says, yeah, you don't want to open that, all right? What if we do, though? What if we open it right above your belly button? Yeah, how about that? What if it goes in right above your belly button? Do you want to tell us what's going on? Or do we pour this canister in your fucking abdomen? Does and I can roll make an intimidate roll here? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think this is a very good opportunity for an intimidate roll. 57 on a 50. I'll tell you what. As you are holding this canister above his, his belly button, I will let you have a bonus die on that. Okay. Uh, that's just another D10? Yeah. Or what is that? Oh, yeah, it's another D10, and you take that as your 10's result if it's better. Uh, is it lower than a 5? No, it's 5. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. So you could spend 7 luck and turn that into a success if you want. I will absolutely do that. Okay. I will spend uh, 7 of my 20 luck, so I'm down to 13. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> horrifying that was horrifying he's looking really scared at this stage and he says look fellas you don't know what you're doing with those things just just don't let them out of there okay all right i mean i'll, I'll take you to your kids why don't you tell us what we're doing with those things why don't you tell us what you're doing with those things look you, you wouldn't believe me if i told you all right why don't you try us do you believe that my knife is still my wife <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe that more knife is still on your balls? <laughs> all right, look. That's I, not a knife. <laughs> he says, look, all right. I'll, I'll tell you what I know, but look, you, you're not going to believe any of this. You guys ever hear of a guy called Aston Hawks? Have we? 
Um, actually, I think out of all the pre-gen characters, no, no, you don't. <laughs> so, uh, so no. I mean, you you may have heard a couple of the people around the camp, maybe Maureen Frayne or uh, um, Carl Rothstein, mention him. But yeah, I mean, you, you've heard the name. Heard the name? Why? What of it? Oh God, Hawks. Hawksy built a machine. Don't ask me how it works. I, uh, yeah, Sedgwick. He's the one who knows all that stuff. I, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I know how to switch it on. That's about it. But there's this machine, and you turn it on, and I don't know. He says something about higher realms, higher dimensions, something like that. All I know is that there are these things on the other side. These these creatures and he points at the canister and you know it's it's like we go fishing for them we we get those we we get the good ones we put them in the canister those ones we can use and when we use them you put them inside someone and it's like they feed on them they feed on something inside them but if you're fast if you're clever if you get one that's just fed and then you put it inside yourself. It's like everything that it can't digest itself goes into you. Wow. So you're literally feeding on the poor. That sounds so sordid when you put it like that. After it feeds, does it leave the body by itself? Does it? Is it full and then it leaves? No, you take it out again. With the forceps? Yeah, you don't want to touch those things with your hands. What happens if it gets out of control? Well, that, that's, again, that's what the forceps are for. You don't want to lose control of these things. So, you people did this to the Hooverville on purpose? Well, not, not you people. I, it's Sed, it's Sed, Sedgwick. Sed, Sedgwick did all of this. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not me. Oh, and you, and you just benefited. Well, wouldn't you? No. We're trying to stop this fucking thing. The second we found out about this shit... We thought it was fucked up, and we tried to stop it. That's the difference between us and you. Why were these kids in your basement? Well, the kids aren't in my basement. No, but they were in your car. Well, they were dragged to you in your car. That's right. <laughs> they were dragged to you in the car to your yard. <laughs> like I said, it's Sedgwick. I mean, Sedgwick just got me to drive them. Oh, you're just a fucking chauffeur now? Yeah. Did you get the bugs in your feet? Or wherever? <laughs> they went in the dark's feet. He looks completely incomprehendingly at you. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm asking is, have you had the bugs in you? Uh, yeah. After they fed on people in the Hooverville? Look, like I say, y you want Sedgwick. He's the mastermind behind all this. I've had enough to blow this guy's brains out. He seems... To me, like a willing participant. Yeah, I mean, unless he gives us the address in, like, three, two... Prospect, he says. Prospect. Trigger. Pulled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And shall we leave the session there? Yeah. It's a good point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, you blow, as you blow Casper Brinks' brains out all over his expensive silk sheets... <laughs> Perfect piece of shit. shit. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's burn this fucking house down. We got 
We got so much information out of a person we were about to not disturb. <laughs> well, we don't want to be rude. <laughs> He's sleeping. <laughs> Shh. You very politely blew his head off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. As the shotgun blasts, the upper body of Casper Brink gets shredded into just so much meat. Bits of him splatter across the four-poster bed, and blood pools into the sheets around as his carcass just gives its last few twitches on the bed. Let's have a sanity roll for this bit of cold-blooded murder. (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, I failed real bad. An 85 on a 37. Yeah. I, uh, 98 on a 75. Okay. And how about Mr. Dolan? I rolled an 81. I don't think I passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like each one of you has failed, in which case, let's have a D6 sand roll for each one of you. Six. Oh, five. Ah, six. I got a five. Fucking hell. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, can each one of you make intelligence rolls? <laughs> 33 on a 60. Uh, I got 17 on a 60. That's Ooh. Yeah, 15 on a 70. So you all passed. Well, it's not very often you have three characters, the only three player characters in the scene go into a bout of madness at the same time. (laughs) So what I'm going to say, I'll use the rules for what happens if a character on their own has a bout of madness, but just apply it to all three of you. So I think, given the shock of what's happened there, and the fact that you perhaps didn't anticipate just what the consequence of this perhaps rash action was. A little while later, the three of you basically find yourself wandering through the Hooverville, just not really quite able to understand how you got there. (laughs) You don't have the shotgun anymore. You don't know what the hell happened to that. It could be anywhere at this stage. The three of you are still covered with a spray of blood from uh, Brink's exploding corpse. <laughs> your, your ears still have the echo of that shotgun blast going in them. And you, you perhaps don't really realise what's going on until, let's say, Professor Rothstein just sees these three figures come back into the camp. You're there by the campfire with a few others having uh, what passes for coffee there. And you see, yeah, the three who went off earlier in search of the kids coming back. They are, like I say, covered in blood and some stuff that maybe isn't blood. There's some fleshy bits and fragments of what may be bone wedged in bits of their clothing. And each of them just has this vacant look about their faces. Hello? Uh, What is this? Come. (laughs) I'm looking around at the other people sitting with me and like wide-eyed. Yeah, they're all looking at these three in alarm as well. 
as uh, Dolan stands there, there's something that just falls off the lapel of his rather tattered coat uh, and lands on the ground. Something kind of grey and spongy that just bounces on the ground that looks unpleasantly organic. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I pour three cups of coffee into like little tins <laughs> and just walk over and offer it to them. I think Nathaniel would like kind of eagerly grab it shaky handed. Technically you're now an accessory. <laughs> <laughs> and he would he would he would cup it with two hands and gently try to suck down some coffee. Yeah, it tastes nasty enough that it starts rooting you back in reality. Uh, are you okay? Sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Is this blood? Can we talk in, uh, uh, in private, Doc? Sure. Uh, <laughs> and I don't move. I'm standing right by him. <laughs> I mean, like in, in your tent or something. Oh, uh, yes. I like lead the way to my abode. Dolan makes a comment like. Uh, shouldn't have uh, picked up that shift at the uh, at the at the butchers um, <laughs> to the people around the campfire. <laughs> we're, we're all probably gonna go vegetarian. <laughs> Doctor Rothstein leads the three of you off towards his sort of lean-to shack, where you can have a private conversation. I uh, pull the tarp aside that I'm using for a door, and like usher them inside. Nathaniel Coombs is going to try and find just the nearest seat that he can sit in and contemplate him, his existence <laughs> now as he looks into his cup of bad coffee. Frederick Mellon the first hasn't come in yet and you just hear from the other side of the tarp this dry retching from outside and he kind of limps in slowly wiping at his mouth. Did you, um, and you see his, his left index finger is just going wild. The rest of him is very, very steady, almost, like not moving at all, uh, scared to move, but his left index finger just keeps moving. And how about Mr. Dolan? Is he going into the shack? Dolan goes into the shack, and uh, and he's just looking for any kind of water basin or or tub, anything to start washing the, the viscera off with. If he can't find it, he just pours his coffee out on his hands and starts rubbing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can start getting yourself a bit cleaner, at least sort of get some of the, the bits out of your hair and beard and stuff like that. Come in, have a seat. Carl, we uh, we, uh, we, we met some, somebody um, that uh, they, they, said, they, said, they said a name, and it's a name that I've heard you say before. Hawks and Frederick Mellon just runs over like quickly to Carl Rothstein, grabs just blood-soaked hand on your lapel, and just holds on less aggressive than desperate, and looks at you with pleading eyes. Hawks, yes. <laughs> what? Yeah, I Carl Rothstein is immediately thinks of of Professor Hawks and and snaps too. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, listen, Doc, they're they're putting bugs in people's bellies. They're laying eggs. They're eating them. Weird shit's going on. What do you know about it? M- me. <laughs> no, the other Doc. <laughs> me. Yeah, you. Uh, 
Rothstein, it seems I, I like know. you. It seems like you might be stalling. S- stalling? No. Well, well, yeah. I'm, what did you just walk into the situation without? I'm any just prior very knowledge? confused. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check my notes and see if I have anything about this. <laughs> He walks over to a desk on the back. It's just called. It's called a book called Memories, and he's <laughs> he flips through it. Austin Hawks. That's that's the name we we heard, and I've I've heard you mention it before. Who, who is he to you? I was uh, friends with Professor Hawks, but he he disappeared. This might sound like a funny question, but when he disappeared, did it feel like any of your greatness disappeared with him? Well, I I mean, look at me now. Of course. Oh, but this this was this was years before the depression that he disappeared. He disappeared oh, something like eight years ago. A mm. uh, question retracted, Doc. I'll forget you ever even asked it. <laughs> Sustained. <laughs> I mean, he he disappeared under mysterious circumstances. I mean, he used to live in the Prospect Estate with Crawley and was last seen there. <laughs> yeah, just read from your book of memories over there. <laughs> Nathaniel's eyes widen. Pro- pro- prospect, pro- prospect, and he's looking at his other guys. Have have you men been to a, a different dimension? We we suspect not, but that some kind of creature from a different dimension, you know, is like <gasps> the canister. Where's the canister? <laughs> oh fucking shit! Nice. <laughs> Do we at least have the forceps? <laughs> nope. <laughs> We we God we, we must have left it all back there. It's it. Oh God! I, I don't know where we would have. Why we would have? I, I don't. Well, I mean, it's not like he's over there futzing with it, you know. Uh, Frederick Mellon the first checks his pockets for keys to a big black Cadillac that he's really hoping that they took with them. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, give me a luck roll to see whether you oh. you picked up the keys. I have seventy luck. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I, I passed. I was really scared. I was going to say that and then still <laughs> fail. Uh, 50. Then, yeah, you do check your pockets and you do find the keys to the Cadillac in there. And an ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he holds them both out in one hand. We were at Greenlee's. We were Greenleys, and we, we followed that big black caddy out there. Ida told us at the Blue Star Diner. That's what led us all the way out there. And then we decided we heard the man sleeping, and we thought, oh, no, forget it. You're home to Bel Air. And we said, let's go upstairs and maybe check on him. But then we killed him, and now he took his car. Okay, so if we have his car, we'll be able to get back there pretty easily because we need that canister, and we probably need the shotgun. Maybe he's got other stuff, too. We can disguise ourselves with his clothes and maybe other guns that he might have, recheck his basement perhaps, but maybe we don't have time because we need to get the prospect. Oh, fuck, Carl. Are you going to come with us? Please help. Carl is standing in his his little shack surrounded by these men covered in goo and, and blood and who knows what, and He's wide-eyed the entire time that that Frederick is saying that. If if you need my help, I'll I'll come. I I'm not sure. He doesn't seem convinced yet, Carl. Doctor Coombs, please tell him about the creatures. Tell him about the creatures. Tell him how fucked up it was. The creatures. Listen, Carl. The long and short of it is, we've killed tonight and we'll kill again. <laughs> <laughs> who, who did you kill? <laughs> You, if you don't come with us. Whoa! <laughs> what? Are you serious? Carl, do you know where Prospect is? I want to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Then do it, man, damn it. It's a couple of miles from here. It's a couple of miles down the road towards Arkham. Of, of course. Um, I, I mean, are you going to hurt me? Not if you take us there, Doc. Okay, how, how do you suppose we get there? Frederick holds up the ear. I mean, the keys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yeah, if, if you drive, I can show you the way. Maybe you can fill me in on some stuff on the way. I doubt it. <laughs> the, the car, which is parked at a crazy angle on some waste ground between the main road and, yes. and the, the shanty town. <laughs> uh, as long as there's no cops around it, then uh, Frederick turns back and is like, hey, and if we're super lucky, then maybe in the trunk there's a shotgun and a canister of uh, void fish. Of what? Uh, I was just calling a void fish. What a void fish. Well, they lay eggs. That's about all we know of their biology. <laughs> and they're from a void. And I'm a big Adventure Zone fan. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm going to sit in the passenger seat, and you just tell me when you're ready. <laughs> oh, that's good, because I got that one all bloody on the way over here, so I'm going to sit in the back in the fresh seat. What I'd like at this stage, then, is a group luck roll. So whoever's got the lowest luck out of the four of you gets to make a luck roll. I think that's Thomas. Uh... <laughs> He spent seven on the 20 he had. Oh, God, so he's got 13. Yeah. I'm not sure how much, because I got a bonus for a little bit. Uh, did that oh, get yes. taken away from me? No, no, you still have that. Oh, okay, then I've got 25. All right, Thomas, you got this. All right, here it goes. 85. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> okay, so as you're getting into the car, there's no sound of the shotgun, but you do see that the canister is there in the back seat. At some oh, point... is it open? At some point, it seems to have got open. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it sitting open as we get in the car, or is it, oh, yes. does it, is it resealed? It's sitting no, open? No, no, it's, it's, it's sitting there on its side in the footwell, the top of it off. Yeah. Can we do a search or spot hidden roll for any of these these creatures in the car? You certainly can. Like lurking under the seat or inside of us. I pass 43 on a 55. You do see something gray uh, wriggling underneath one of the seats. You also notice a trail going through the undergrowth away from where the car is parked, heading in the direction of the camp. Oh, shit. <clears throat> that, that is very, very not good. Uh, well, look on the bright side, fellas. Uh, we let it escape, but we do have the canister, so we can recontain it. Are the forceps there? No. Doc, you took a Hippocratic Oath, uh, so I nominate you to, uh, to grab the creature when we find it. Yeah, just scoop it. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I'm finally like soaking in some blood that was on it and like feeling wet. And I hear that. Uh, uh, whatever you need, just. That's wicked good of you, Doc. It's for mankind. <laughs> oh, okay. Keep in mind when we say Doc, we're talking to both Doc Combs and Doc Rothstein uh, at the same time. I, I felt like I dodged a bullet there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go around thinking of two names for doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you were obviously out of it for a while. At this stage, it is beginning to get dark. So are you following the trail of this thing back towards the camp? Are you getting, staying in the car and 
trying to deal with the the thing that's loose there, or are you finding another way of getting into prospect? What, what's your plan? This uh, this uh, Austin Hawks guy, he we were told he, he built some machine. I think it's this thing that brings these creatures in. He might have more sophisticated ways of capturing them. When you got a problem, you got to root it out at its source. Otherwise, the little fingers that go out and the toes that spread their little wormy ways into the world around it will just continue to grow and grow. If you cut off one finger, then you got nine left. But if you cut off two hands at the same time, then you got no fingers. Hmm. I think we should find this thing before it infects the camp. <laughs> I think we should probably help the people. I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like a finger. It seems more like its own thing that can operate independently of a hand. Maybe we should help the people real quick. Because the, you know, the big fancy place, that's not going nowhere. But this thing's on the move. How would we begin to find it? It seems to have left a pretty clear trail, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've noticed certainly there's some of the undergrowth that's been disturbed, and it is leaving a fairly subtle trail of slime, which you've managed to spot. Like I say, it is beginning to get dark at this stage. Yeah, if You're going to have to try to find it fairly quickly, otherwise you know, you're going to lose it in the dark. I thought my analogy was great, but I'm easily persuadable. Let's search for this thing. So you carry on following this trail, and it goes up to one of the tents. And you realize, yeah, it's the tent that Nancy Carver was was in earlier, the woman who'd seen the weird stuff last night and had gone into some kind of fugue state as a result. And this thing just goes up to the fabric on the side of her tent and then there's just this wet spot in the fabric of the tent as if if it's moved through it. Yuck. (laughs) Wicked yuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's a no from me, dog. Should we we look around in the tent? Nancy! Nancy, you in there? You can hear the sound of someone breathing heavily as if they're sleeping. And yeah, as you shout her name, she stirs a little bit, and her first reaction is a sort of whimpering sound. And uh, then she says, uh, "Who is it?" We got faces, I'll tell you that much. It's Frederick Mellon, the first, Carl Rothstein, Thomas Dolan, and Daniel Coombs. That's two doctors. We're very legitimate. We're here to check up on you, Nancy. We know you had quite a day yesterday. I just need to sleep. I need, I need to sleep. Yeah, that makes sense, but we're worried about a situation that has come to become a present issue. If you could come on out, please, or allow us to come in. There's a bit of movement inside, and she staggers up to the door of her tent and, and, and opens it up. And, yeah, she's looking very pale in the fading light. Her eyes are a bit unfocused, her hands trembling as it's holding onto the tent flap. What is it? What do you want? Uh, excuse us for one moment, Nance. Uh, could we <laughs> could we huddle real quick? <laughs> so uh, she's got it right. She's it's it's that. Yeah, it's inside of we. Yeah. What what is inside of her? Uh, void fish, if you like, uh, space bug. Uh, you can pick your own name for it. Okay, how do we get it out? They uh, they enter the body, but the problem is they don't leave a sign that they've entered the body. It's almost 
like it, it creates a, a, a camouflage of the wound. A wet door. How do you know she's got it? It makes you l- look like that. Look at her. Oh. <laughs> okay, so. Do, do we kill her? No, no I think we got to take oh, her with good. us uh, to oh, the place. Good. Thank God. <laughs> Thanks for asking, though. I did not want to do it. I know, but you, um, <laughs> sometimes you just have to <laughs> in these situations. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't know about that. The thing here that we've learned is that they put these in and then take them out of people. So there's a way to do it safely. Doctor and Doctor, do either one of you have any forceps in your in your shanty tent? I I probably do. Any sort of metal grabbers? Yeah. I'm a physics professor, so no. <laughs> so no physical objects then. Doctor Coombs would have something. Uh, suitable in his medical shack. I've, I've, I've got some run, forceps, man. and I, I do. I run back, and I also, if I can find a pair of gloves, I'd like to grab some gloves. Yeah, yeah, you, you can do that. And as, as you go in, uh, Maureen Frayne is coming out of, uh, you know, well, she was obviously sleeping before, and her eyes open up uh, as, as you come into the shack, and she looks like, oh, Dr. Coombs, have you got news? Have you, have you found Esther? We're, we're working on it. We, we, uh, we think we're on the on the right track. Uh, we don't have any reason to believe oh, something bad has happened per se yet, at all. And we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find her. She starts trying to get out of her bunk as if to try to come and help you, and then just collapses back into it. You you need to get some more rest there, Maureen. That that that's what's gonna make you feel better, eventually. All right, but but do get her back safe, please, Doctor. Please, we're we're, we're on it. And I, yeah, I'm going for forceps okay. and gloves. Yep, you can grab those and head back to Nancy's tent. When I get back to the tent, I say, uh, "There's a chance Maureen has it too back at my place." But I got the forceps and the gloves. So what do we just stop poking around on her and find the wet door? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how to how to go about this. We gotta go to the to the place and find the find the people who are doing this. What? No. Dolan, you just said that we needed to fix the situation here at home, and now you, as soon as we find the situation, you're no, trying no, no. to bail out? No, no, no. I said we need, to, we need to track down the creature. We found where it is. We know exactly where it is. It could is. easily leave her once it gets full and then find another person, and then when we get back, it's somewhere else. Although I guess it would have given that person strength. I'm really not sure how this <laughs> Why are you having this conversation in front of Nancy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay, her eyes are getting wider and wider and wider. <laughs> I'm sitting down next to Nancy. She's just kind of like holding her up and, and taking all of it in with her, too. Carl, Carl, wh- what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Everything you saw was real. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Um, I think there's some kind of parasite in the camp. And, and do you think it's got into me? Yeah. Oh, I, I think I might have it too. You'll be okay. Yeah, I've got one too. It's just going around. We've all we've all had it, Nance, and we survived. But uh, we got to figure out how to get it out of you. That's why I think, uh, Freddy, that we need to go, uh, you know, 
like you said earlier to the source. I hope you know this isn't a flip-flop. This is a fluid situation is what they call it. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. I agree. I was right at the beginning, too. So what do I do about it? If I've got this parasite inside me, what do I do about it? How do I get it out? Ah, uh, just take a nap. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're working on how to get it out. But just so you know, you've got time. I, I, I've seen this before. It's, there's no reason to think that you're in an, any immediate danger. We, we'll, we'll figure out how to get it out of you, and then we'll get it out of you. It is imperative that you realize you will be fine. It just it just takes your potential and your ability and your joy, and it gives it to somebody somebody of a, uh, a better social standing than you. Is this what... Harold Priestley lived for, what, like a week or two? Yeah, before is this what happened? Before he became crumbly dust? This is what happened to Harold. I, I heard... I, I, I heard... Yeah, 100%. I heard half his face fell off. Oh, yeah. It was gross. <laughs> that was we, a uh, We believe though. we've caught it. Yeah, we believe we've caught it pre-face crumble. So you just hold on tight, Nat. <laughs> uh, take a little nap, and we're going to get you fixed up. Be sure and drink lots and lots of water. That's what the, the crumbling was from a lack of water. So just make sure you're keeping the fluid intake. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you see a little buggy crawl out of you stop that maybe don't don't stop it burn it right oh yeah with fire kill it with fire yeah none of this seems to be comforting her in the slightest <laughs> really <laughs> scott really some people just can't be reasoned with so it's not really our fault. <laughs> it's like when you see a snake and it bites you 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 grab it so that you can identify what snake bit you it's the uh, same thing well doc like like we said um you don't want to grab it. It can move through your skin. Uh, <laughs> oh, it will just enter you if you grab then, it. So. Then how do at you... this stage, Nancy <laughs> has just curled up on on the pile of newspapers and old rags that she's using as a bed, and is in the fetal position and is just curled up around herself, shaking. That's good. That's self care. That's you're, you're doing it right, Nancy. That's good. We'll be back as soon as we can, and we'll get this figured out for you. Don't worry. You're in capable hands here with Doctor Coombs. And Nancy Vimmer, but you still owe me a can of beans, so uh, when you get over this, don't forget. <laughs> Doc, as as a physician... Uh, yes, that's what they call us. <laughs> yeah, don't demoralize the patient. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'm giving her a reason to live, to pay her debts. <laughs> <laughs> to feel good. <laughs> that's what America's all about, baby. That's a very Teutonic perspective. I came to a capitalist <laughs> country, uh, and, you know, it's treating me, you know, well enough. <laughs> he, he, he laughs and looks around, like, very <laughs> sad. We should, uh, we, should, we should get to Prospect. Yeah, now, now that you've completely destroyed Nancy Carver's spirit, you're, you're heading back off towards Prospect, are you? Yeah, you're right, Thomas Dolan. That was a very good idea. <laughs> we isolated a variable. I'm not going to apologize for demystifying the situation. <laughs> I wasn't being sarcastic. Now she won't run away. <laughs> there was still, last time you checked, one of these things loosened the car as well. You did see it wriggling under one of the seats. And we left it there. Oh, yeah. Whoops. All right. <laughs> I think Carl agreed to try to scoop it. it, it so when we get back to the cars, it's, yeah. is it still there? And- well, let's have a group, group luck roll to see whether it's still there. So that's just Thomas. On again. me again? Yeah. All right. Ooh. 21. So have been no. so close without that modifier. <laughs> 
In which case, hmm, no. You, you, by the time you get back to the car, it is quite gloomy now, but you don't see any trace of it. And now I'm gloomy. Because I just know I'm going to sit on it. <laughs> How big are I these things? The, the one you saw wriggling under the seat was probably about the size of your forearm. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay, so not too small. <laughs> um, I'm going to get in the driver's seat this time. When you are ready, I will drive there. Uh, Frederick Mellon the first tosses you an ear. <laughs> it disgusts me. I Oh, whoopsie. It comes back to me that you were covered in blood and stuff, and I'm scared, very scared again. Sorry about that. Tossing you the keys. I'm, like, shaking and start the car. I, f- I feel like I'm being taken hostage almost. <laughs> yeah. I want to note that I still got forceps with me, so if anything goes down... I can still maybe help. Man, those are nice gloves. (laughs) It doesn't take you very long for Dr. Rothstein to drive you to Prospect, because, like I say, it is just a couple of miles down the road. As we're on our way, as we're passing Blue Star Diner, should we... Boys, should we stop and grab that shotgun at Greenlee's? Or are we completely fucked regardless? Well, from, uh, I mean, uh, from one point of view, it's already served its purpose in the story, but it could be... (laughs) (laughs) could still be useful I don't know after your experiences of the trauma after murdering Mr. Brink Mm. are are you really happy going back to the murder scene Carl can you get something for us (laughs) (laughs) I I would be afraid you'd use it on me so no you can hold it I'd rather not it's good. You don't want your prints on there. That's smart. That's why you're a doctor. It seems like you may have done something horrible with it as well, so preferably not. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really remember what happened after all that. There's a chance that we left the shotgun in the woods somewhere on our way back. I don't I don't know where it might even be in there. Let's not waste time. Let's just go get some answers. Yeah, it is, it is almost dark now, and there are still two missing children. Ah. <sighs> I hope we don't feel like we needed that shotgun later. (laughs) I'm sure you'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Prospect So, yeah, you drive the couple of miles up the road towards Prospect. So this is another one of these estates like Greenlee's that's set back from the road. This one, though, does have a stone wall around the grounds. You pull the car up to the gates outside... And the gates are a bit rusted. Uh, There is still in Gothic script written over the top of the metal gates in wrought iron, just the word prospect. And in the dying light, you can see the perhaps ruins, or not quite ruins, but the abandoned house itself up at the top of a slope. The grounds in this light look incredibly overgrown. You can also, just through the gates, make out some outbuildings, but you're not quite sure what they are. The gates themselves have got a chain and a padlock around them. While the gates are fairly rusty, the chain and padlock look quite new. Well, that's one of the new ones, and, uh, you know, ever since they, they got this new new lock mechanism gizmo technology, it takes maybe 
a second or third try here and there, but I'm pretty good with these. And starts rooting around in his clothes, uh, finding uh, his like lock picking mm. set. Okay, yeah, give me a locksmith roll to see what he can pop it easily. Uh, ten on a seventy. Oh yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> Well, the chain looks solid. They clearly used a cheap lock here, so you pretty much just slide the, the picks in mm. and the whole thing pops open. And he turns around and he's like, that's one of the most advanced locks that exists here in this time period. And your boy, Frederick Mellon the Voice, got it while winking at you, huh? And he winks. Thomas Dolan uh, winks back with a little song on his fiddle. <laughs> I forgot about the So did I. I just saw it on my character sheet. <laughs> but yeah, you get the gates open. Are you leaving the car on the road? Are you drive, or are you driving it up towards the house? What do you want me to do? Drive it up? They'll think Casper's coming, and Casper seemed to have an issue with uh, uh, Sedgwick. I think he wanted us to kill him. Honestly, he he seemed like he really would have been cool with us knocking him out. So if I was Sedgwick and I saw Casper Brink's car coming up, I would feel uneasy about that and negative. And then the fact that he's not even in the car, maybe we could play it off like we killed him for Sedgwick, like we heard that they were having issues and we wanted to join in on the madness. I don't know. What do you guys think? We don't know for sure that Sedgwick is here, right? This is Austin Hawk's house, but maybe he, maybe he's a live-in helper with the machine. That could be. With a machine like that, I don't think that the the man who knows how it works would be too far away. I, uh, I'm worried about the uh, going in part, but it would be nice to have a going out ride. Does that make sense? I'm worried that it's really conspicuous for our car to go up the driveway, but I'd love to have a car ready to go down that driveway when we were trying to leave this place. It's a pretty nice car. It's the Depression. I think uh, going up in this nice car gives us some good cover on the way up there and gives us an escape route. I think we I think we take the car. We just back it in. Yeah. You, you make your way up the driveway. I mean, it's going to be quite difficult to back it in because this is a winding driveway and it's quite badly overgrown. The weeds are quite high on the other side. It's, it's going to be tricky because... With it getting dark, you, you probably want the headlights pointing in front of you at the moment to avoid you know, crashing into a tree or a sapling or something. I mean, if you really want, I can give you a drive auto roll just to reverse it in there, but it, it is the harder way of doing it. I think we should just go in straight on. There's surely a, tur- a roundabout, but these estates all have those. those I'm, a, I'm a good driver. I'll back it in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a drive auto roll then. Okay, let me see what my drive auto is. God damn it, Luke. <laughs> um, like, surely he wouldn't just say that. <laughs> it's not on my character sheet, so I think it's just a 20. Yeah, so that means it's 20. Yeah. Sweet. You dick. 41. <laughs> How much luck do you have? 20. <laughs> Fuck. So you reverse the car up, and about halfway up, like I say, it's very badly overgrown, and you just misjudge it slightly, and you've gone off the path, or at least off the driveway, and you reversed into some soft ground, and the car is now sort of, yeah, stuck in this slightly marshy ground just to one side. Uh, is this a good spot? 
<laughs> yeah, if we just like throw some something under the, the back tires, then you know it'll be ready for takeoff, and we can head out. Something like you, Carl. That was my plan. Not me, though. No. Ha ha. Ah. So you're getting out to try to put something under the back tires so you can get out. It's now pretty dark. Uh, there's still a little bit of light, but not very much. It hasn't been raining today, but as you brush up against some of the undergrowth, some of it does feel uncomfortably moist. And you can hear just the sounds of things rustling around in the undergrowth, things you can't see in the darkness. Uh, boys, I think we should run. Thomas Dolan is just booking it for the house up the road. Okay. He starts running when he hears the slithering. I'm not giving up. We'll deal with Dolan in a moment as he separated himself off from the others. The other three of you are still there at the car. So is it uh, Frederick Mellon the first and Dr. Coombs who are trying to help get the uh, the car out of the quagmire? Yeah. Yoice and Didi. Yeah, as you're kind of digging around trying to find solid stuff to put under the tyre, a couple of times, yeah, you can feel things in the darkness just kind of slithering across the back of your hand. You can't see what mm. they are. Nathaniel, when one of those slithers perfectly across his hand, he jerks back. For, for Frederick, Frederick, there's a there's 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 stuff out here. There's that 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 crickling sound. That's not that's not squirrels. That's uh, it was slimy. Yeah, it's making my stomach hurt when I think about it. But eh, we gotta keep going. <laughs> we gotta make sure the car gets out. That way we can <laughs> bail effectively. In which case, yeah, if you're grabbing stuff to put under the tire I, it, part of that is going to involve lifting the car up enough um, so to, to get the stuff under the tire what I suggest then is one of you give me a strength roll just to see what they can pull this off uh, they look at each other <laughs> all right young man I think that's on you <laughs> uh, I pass <laughs> 19 on a 50 yes oh nice Okay, so yeah, you think you've managed to get enough stuff under there, and sure enough, when Dr. Rothstein starts up the car, it just pulls forward onto the track. Now, Mr. Dolan. Yes. Mr. Dolan was running up towards the house in the gloom. As you make your way towards the building, from the undergrowth just off to your right, you hear a sound. The sound... You're not quite sure what it is at first, but as you move past, you can hear a sort of... <laughs> and it's just going on and on. Can I, can I see anything? No, it's coming from the undergrowth. And it's getting quite dark. Uh, hello? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, hey there! Are you a are you a missing child? <laughs> I'd really like to find and comfort you if you are, but there's some freaky shit out here. Uh, Oh god damn it Thomas. All right, and he goes into the he he goes towards the sound. Nice. 
Okay, so just as the other three of you are, are heading up, you, you sort of just catch sight in the gloom of Thomas disappearing off the path into the undergrowth and disappearing out of sight. Oh, uh, Thomas, there's there's stuff out there. I wouldn't... Yeah, that's why I ran, but uh, there's uh, I think one of the kids is over here. Can you give me a spot hidden roll? Wicked scared. 23 on a 25. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Nice. So the moon is beginning to come up at this stage, so you've got a bit of light. In the, the little bit of light you have, you see the form of someone lying just on the ground. You, you can just make out a human shape. It's, it's too big to be one of the children. It looks like an adult, probably a man. Uh, he's he's lying on the ground and he seems to be trembling, and he's still making that sound. That <laughs> I'd like to try to find a stick and poke him. You grab a, a stick off the ground. It's slightly moist, and yeah, you poke him, and <laughs> he, he doesn't seem to react. And he's still going. Oh, oh, oh. In fact, actually, as you poke him, his head does turn slightly towards you, and as your eyes are adjusting to the moon that's now risen a bit more, you can make out some of the contours of his face. His face is quite wasted. He, he looks really drawn and sick. His eyes are absolutely wide, and as he's staring at you, you see his right eyelid bulge slightly. And then something crawls out from underneath it, something wriggling and that's just glinting in the moonlight and crawls across his eyeball and across his face and then just disappears up his nose. I just throw the stick at him and run back to the path. Let's have like, a We're going to find first. a way to help y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, Another 23. And your sanity On, is? And what was my sand? No, my sanity is 40, and I took, I don't remember how much damage I took, six. six. So my sanity is uh, 34, so I passed. So, yeah, I mean, you, you still, like you say, throw the stick and sort of back off in, in horror, just almost tumbling over on the ground in, in your speed to get away. And, yeah, as, as you run through the darkness, through the uh, the undergrowth, you can feel sort of the, the, the wetness of these strands of... Uh, of weeds as they brush against your face and you think you can feel things wriggling on them as you brush past them and then yeah you just stumble out onto the track again as the others are there there's a guy on the trail off the trail is real messed up let's get to to prospect proper and uh and solve this mystery what do you think does he need medical attention do i need to not right now i think we just gotta move on he's got <laughs> bugs coming out of his head oh i think we gotta find a more uh you know a holistic solution to this problem before we can help him at all well prospect itself is just 20 yards further up the track from here as I said, though, you know, there in the moonlight, you can see that there are a couple of outbuildings. I mean, well, first of all, let, let's just make clear, there is no artificial light here whatsoever. The only light you have is the moonlight. Prospect itself is a fairly big sort of neo-colonial house. Um, it looks like there's the remains of a sort of extension, a wing on, on the far side of it from here. 
The front door looks like it's ajar, but off to the side there are a few outbuildings. There are some things that look like sheds, albeit large sheds. But there's another building that's a bit odder than that. It's a stone building that is round, maybe about 10 yards in diameter, maybe a bit larger. A one-story building that's just set back to the left of the main building. Are there any vehicles parked anywhere? Not that you can see. Would we have, like, our torches with us? Let's have a group luck roll to see whether you thought to bring them. Uh, I'm really sorry I, I joined back with you guys before you decided to check on that. <laughs> oh, no. 80. <laughs> so, no. I, to be fair, you weren't in your proper state of mind before. It's been a day full of shocks. You know, at this stage, obviously it has occurred yeah. to you that it would be a really good idea to have light sources, but your mind just wasn't in that space earlier. Typical Freddy. Mm. So full of regret. All right, well. Oh, guys, by the way, this is uh, the prospect. This is where we're going. I forgot to announce when we got here. Thank you <laughs> Thanks, so much, Carl, Carl Rothstein. <laughs> Thank oh you for all God. your help. So glad we brought you. Jesus, fuck. Carl, do you have any idea what that, that weird round building there might be? Oh, um, let me think. <laughs> You think it might be, and not that you ever saw it, but it was something that Dr. Hawks had talked about, that he was going to build a separate laboratory. And you think that might be it? I mean, it still looks like a fairly unusual building. It doesn't necessarily look like what you'd think for a lab, but maybe that's it. It may be his uh, lab. I, I remember him talking about uh, building a lab at... Uh, it looks like it could be that, but I, I'm turning Irish. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's wicked hard. <laughs> Being from anywhere these days is difficult. How do you keep a hold of your own identity in a world like this? <laughs> Should we check out the lab? Or, or that might be uh, where equipment is for this. Do you think we should start there? I feel like it's been presented. <laughs> I think we start there. I think we figure out how to help and try to stop whatever's happening first. Because if we find the children first, then we would just be carrying or bringing along children into whatever dangers we might be presented later on. Good, good point, good point. Speaking of carrying things, shouldn't we carry that guy to the lab? No. The guy from the woods back there? Yeah. No, man. My whole point. The whole idea is to find the shit to... To help him. And then not have dead weight with us. If it's in the lab, then Carl. it saves us a trip. Thanks, Thomas. No, Carl, I don't think we need to drag the guy full of bugs by hand back here. Okay. After we just fled from him in Terra. Let's check out this uh, laboratory. What about you? Don't You're a doctor. Don't you have an oath? No, yeah, that's why I asked. But when you said the <laughs> bugs thing, I've, I've, I've seen what those bugs can do. I'm not touching it until we figure out a way to contain those things more efficiently. Hmm, okay. And you're a physician, so... Ah, uh, this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> a physics... A, a physician. You're a doctor. Yeah, you said it right. You said yeah. you're a doctor, so... Okay, let's go to the lab. So you walk over to this stone building. Yeah, it's got a fairly heavy iron door on it, black iron door, that again is locked. You can also see that in the moonlight there are 
some fairly heavy-looking cables, half-buried, running across the ground that are running over towards the two shacks. If only we had the shotgun, we could be blasting all these locks. <laughs> well, we don't need a shotgun for the locks, but it'd be nice to knock out some of these cables and people. All right, uh, I'm going to lock. I'm going to unlock the lock okay. with a 16 on a 70. Oh, Fuck yeah. Hard success. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a bit more of a serious lock. It takes you, you know, a minute or two, but... Yeah, even then, you pop it open, and yeah, the doors open, and inside everything is completely dark. There's no light in here. You can hear towards the back a sloshing of liquid. There's a strange smell in the air, and you can see shapes just all around in the gloom. Life surreal in retrospect a dream Easy times feel less than serene in the moment it's hard to